When looking for an investment opportunity that gives you more of everything it takes to help you succeed, from reservations, property support, marketing, technology, and more, you'll find what you're looking for with Choice Hotels Canada. Welcome to Checking In, the podcast that looks at the people, the issues, and the trends shaping the dynamic and exciting hotel business. We sit down with leaders, hoteliers, and industry experts as they share best practices, highlight smart solutions, and discuss strategies for growth, ultimately helping hoteliers better understand and affect positive change to grow their businesses. Now, here is your host, editor, and publisher of Hotelier Magazine, Rosanna Kyra. This morning, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Rocco Bova to Checking In. Rocco is an experienced hotelier with more than 25 years of international experience, having worked for some of the best international hotel brands in 11 countries, from Europe to the Middle East, Asia, India, Africa, the Caribbean, and now Mexico. Educated in Italy, the UK, and most recently with Cornell University in Singapore, Rocco is an avid learner and continues his education investigating online to keep up to date with the latest global tourism trends. He started his career in Dubai with Jumarai Hotels and Resorts. He's worked with Four Seasons, Hilton, Amman Resorts, IHG, Lux Resorts, Starwood, now Marriott, and other independent companies managing world-class luxury hotels. Rocco contributes actively as an influencer of the hospitality industry through social media, writing articles, digital blogs, and as a speaker in several conferences and podcasts. After years of brewing his idea and mastering the art of a hospitality, Rocco has decided to put all of his experience and knowledge into a revolutionary hospitality concept with a unique business model and has begun working on my humble house concept. He's still actively working in the industry and is currently living in Mexico, consulting for various developers of boutique hotels and master planned communities. So welcome Rocco to Checking In. Good morning, Rosanna. Wow, this is uh, very humbling. (laughs) Sometimes I think back of all these years, you know, it's actually been a little bit more than 25. It's, It's about 30 years now. Um, but I'm so happy to still be strong and still be uh, committed and uh, passionate about hospitality. Just just this morning, actually, I had a I had a mentoring call with a young uh, young lady, a, a student in hotel school in Switzerland, and we were talking about that. So, you know, I I'm glad I, I can still provide wisdom also to young students or, or aspiring hoteliers. Well, that's amazing. And going through that bio, it's very clear you've done so much through that 25 years of a career. You've worked with so many great brands around the world. And you and I were talking earlier and just your life experiences in some of those countries must uh, must be enough to write a book, I'm sure. Um, so there's a lot there. And I hope we can touch on some of some of those experiences this morning on checking in. So thank you very much for being here today. I know you're very busy and and you've got a huge social media presence, which I always really enjoy following you on. on. So um, you're doing a great job in in keeping hospitality uh, front and center in a lot of discussions. So so good work. Thank you so much. So 
So let's talk a little bit about your experience. As I mentioned, you've worked in a lot of hospitality companies through the years, um, and you're living in Mexico right now, but you've worked all around the world. And I'd be interested to know how you got into hospitality. It's always quite interesting to learn about everybody's unique trajectories. And um, and it's just wonderful to, to hear about all those experiences. So tell me how you started. Sure. You know, Rosanna, my first job was, uh, I, I was only 13 years old. I was a young, very young boy. And, uh, you know, my mom, she told me, why don't you go and work? You know, do, do something. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted you out of the house at 13. Yes. So, so, you know, it, it, it is usual, you know, as a young, young person to actually go and work waiting tables or even just helping just to make some pocket money for the summer, you know, mainly. So this year I went to this bar uh, in my hometown in Italy, in the south of Italy, and I spoke to the owner and he said to me, yeah, sure, Rocco, okay, come in, come and join us. You can come in the afternoon because I don't want you to come at night. He was an, he's still a nice person. And he, 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 he was uh, sensible to my young, young age. Anyway, I sure. got there for the first day, second day, but every day I was making more damage than anything else. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so on the, on the third day, he said to me, Rocco, come here. He said to me, Rocco, you're a nice guy, but uh, you, you cost me more than what I'm paying you. Oh, no. So, here is your three days pay. So he paid me for my three days of work. And he said to me, when you, when you learn how to hold a tray, you come back. And it was a challenge. Of course, it was, I was not very happy. But the, the, during the winter, I trained at home to hold the tray with bottles, glasses, and stuff. And, and I, when I managed, the next, the, the next uh, summer, I went back to another bar, another restaurant, and then the following summer to another one until after three, four years, I, I, I mastered the skills at least, you know, to all the trade, to serve customer, take an order and so on and so forth. And I became a kind of popular in my hometown. So people were calling me to go to work. Then at the age of 24, I, during, uh, at the end of a working day, uh, uh, one of my colleagues from Brazil, he told me, Rocco, what do you want to do in life? And I said to him, you know, Ayelito, I don't know yet. But one thing I know for sure, I want to travel the world. And he said to me, why don't you come to London? I, I can help you to find a job there. I, see, I can see you work well in restaurants. So there are many restaurants in London. Well, he didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> the, the following day, I bought myself a, a one-way ticket. I went to London. I only had 400 pounds in my pocket and a one-way ticket. And the rest is history because then I discovered the hospitality industry as a whole. I, I, a year later, I went to Egypt to work uh, as a manager in a, in a nightclub. Then I come back, I go to study in hotel school. I graduated to hotel school. I got married and both myself and my wife, we went to Dubai. We worked at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel for me and the Burj Al Arab, the only, the one and only seven star hotels in the world uh, to date. So we had, That's you know, right. and then from there, the, the career really started. And, and, I, and I get every day more and more passionate about it. That's an amazing story. So right from a young age, you, you really kind of fell in love with hospitality. And then I guess the itch to travel was the perfect way to combine those two loves, right? Completely, completely. You know, you get paid to, to travel. <laughs> it's great. For sure. And, and sometimes, not sometimes, a lot of times in the industry, people say, you know, um, that's the best way to appeal to a lot of young people who want to work in the industry, because it's kind of like your passport to, to the world. 
uh, through hospitality. And, and that's exactly what your uh, trajectory has shown as well. So through all the uh, work experiences that you've had around the world, um, what has stood out for you the most in, in, in what you've done? I know you've worked in so many different countries and, um, and I, I assume you've gone through uh, various hotel jobs and I'm not sure um, you know, what, what level you, you ended up in most of those hotels, what you were doing, but perhaps you can talk a little bit about that. Sure, sure. You know, my career spanned, obviously, starting at the lowest level. You know, I was literally bussing tables and then obviously becoming a general manager. I started in food and beverage, in restaurants and then bars and then the division in, t- in general, you know, so managing uh, multiple restaurants and bars to then get into hotel manager and then general manager. What really stands out the most is not so much the job or the company brand slash brand, you know, the, you, if you mm-hmm. want to name it like that, but it's more the people you work with. For me, there are a handful of places where really I work for, with the incredible leaders. Some of them, unfortunately, are no longer with us, even though, you know, they, they, were, they were very young. I mean, I, I mentioned, for example, Serge Zalov. Serge Zaloff uh, was the general manager at the time at the Jumeirah Beach Hotel. Serge, Serge was not a hotelier. He was, he was a genius and he was a, a, a visionaire. You know, he was, he was seeing the future already like uh, 10 years ahead. You know, he was Amazing. coming to my, re- to my restaurant to do meeting with the sales and marketing team. And he had a great career. Then, unfortunately, he passed away you know, from, from cancer you know, a few years back. But like him, many, many leaders. And, and, and to me, it's the leader, is the person that really make a difference in you as, as an individual. He allows you to grow or not to grow, <laughs> depending. You know, there are some bad leaders too, by the way. For sure. So, so you learn from both, you know, from the good and from the bad. As long as you, are, you as an individual, you're able to analyze what to take, what to keep, what, and, and what to leave. And, uh, and uh, in both cases always learn and uh, when you have a great leader then you take the most of it because you know you you really want to aspire to become some someone like like this person so so in your role as general manager you you were gm for quite a while um how did that transition you into what you're doing today um and and why did you leave i guess the hotel world to to go into more of the consulting world Sure, Rosanna. You see, it wasn't, um, I mean, I cannot lie to, to you or anyone who's listening. You know, the pandemic affected everyone, including myself. On a good note, the pandemic didn't make me lose my job. You know, I, I went from one to another one. And then from the second one during the pandemic, after a year that this project didn't materialize for financial reason. I came back home and then my wife, she told me, you know, I was looking for a traditional job, you know, but then my wife, she told me, why don't you work as a consultant? And uh, I was thinking to do this job later in life. You know, I'm still 52. I'm still young, sure. you know, and yeah. there's still a, a lot that I want to give back to the community, to the hospitality community. But then I said, okay, let's, let's give it a try while waiting. You know, maybe I can, I can do something. And then, the client, they just popped up like mushrooms, you know, they were coming one year, one there, one there. Wow. One there. And last year, I closed with 48 clients in, a, in my first year of consultancy. 
And I'm not consulting. I'm not, I don't really have the reputation to be a consultant because normally I consult for one company, the only company that employs me. Right. I only do one job. I do it well, probably. And that's where I built a reputation over time. And, uh, but then I, 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 I was surprised. I was amazed by how many clients one can get in a single. I mean, at, at one point I had to stop taking clients because I couldn't handle it. it that's amazing. amazing. And that's through the pandemic when things were, were really tough. Totally, totally. But wow. guess what? Mexico never closed the borders. Don't forget that's, that. Yes, that's Mexico, true. Mexico was the only country in the world where you could come with no vaccine, no PCR test, nothing. You just need to you have a valid passport and come. <laughs> on the way out, it would be a different story. But on the way <laughs> in, everyone was welcome. It's allowed. This was, this was a blessing uh, for for many things, you know, I think it was it was a wise decision not to close borders, and uh, within three months, four four months, the business was starting to pick up again and pick up very well. You know, last year we closed with record numbers in Mexico as a whole. You know, Cancun is just full, <laughs> like there is no Los Cabos is full, and rates have gone up. It's not it's not going down. I mean. So tourism in Mexico is doing very well. And there is, there is many projects coming up. So definitely, you know, someone with experience is always welcome. And uh, well, here I am. <laughs> I cannot complain. That's an amazing story that you've been able to grow that business in such a short period of time. Uh, so kudos to you for doing that. That, that takes a lot of work and, and maybe a little bit of luck, but a lot of work for sure. Uh, I think a bit of luck is always helps. <laughs> it, it can't hurt. So what are some of the more interesting projects that you're working on right now in Mexico in terms of developing new projects? Um, and are you always focused on the luxury segment? Because I know that's where a lot of your growth over the years has been. So is that what you're focusing on primarily? That is correct. My, my specialty is a small boutique hotels uh, catering for the luxury segment. I mean, I, I did some work even in for restaurants or or even uh, uh, touristic parks. But my my real experience uh, and you know people can really take advantage of my knowledge when it comes to more uh, a hospitality project that includes hotels of a certain level. So the majority of my project that I'm doing right now are in Yucatan, which is the the peninsula uh, sticking out in the south of uh, southeast of uh, Mexico. The Yucatan state in particular is growing exceptionally, uh, not only from a tourism point of view, but also from a residential point of view. So there are a lot of people moving into Yucatan, you know, even Canada, Canadians, you know, from, from the States, uh, um, Europe, uh, they're coming to live. And even within Mexico, people are coming to Yucatan because of, because of the weather, because it's safe, because of of the people like it, the gastronomy, the culture and everything. And then, of course, you know, in order to have a, a community, you need to provide services to the community. You know, so hotels comes and the restaurants. And so there is a lot of uh, a lot of uh, 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 side effect to to what's happening in uh, Yucatan. And um, you know, I think that uh, Yucatan positioned itself as a as a as a great place to live. Merida was voted by travel and leisure among the best city in the world. You know, to live uh, in in two occasions in the past five years. So, so that's uh, 
that's a, that's a free advertisement, you know. So people right. say, oh, Merida, where is it? You know, so they start looking and uh, so yeah, the, the, there are many boutique hotel projects in Yucatan, in Valladolid, for example, in Merida itself, uh, in Las Coloradas. That's where one of my clients is actually is on the coastline of Me of Merida of Mexico, Yucatan, about three hours from Merida, uh, where I live. Uh, then you have, I've been working Todos Santos, I've been working in Valle de Guadalupe, close to the border with, with California. That is, that is one of the most famous wine region of Mexico, Mexico City. Uh, Tulum, of course, which is uh, crazy there, you know, there is hotels everywhere, you know, I don't know why, but for some reasons, everyone wants to be in Tulum. And, uh, and well, in the Pacific area, so uh, Puerto Escondido, Oaxaca, uh the 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 northern side where you have a puntamita so i mean i feel blessed you know to being able to to be involved in so many interesting projects so definitely mexico right now is is under the radar of many many companies including international company moving into mexico so rocco and in, in a lot of what you've done in the past you've really been involved in the luxury segment and uh as you as you mentioned now you're doing a lot of work in boutiques uh boutique hotels which are obviously part of the luxury segment as well um that segment has grown through a lot of change in recent years especially through the last three years with the pandemic but even through the pandemic it still managed to do well um through even those difficult times what do you attribute that to and, and how do you feel the luxury segment is changing as we speak? Because um, there's been so much more growth in this segment over, over the recent uh, decade or so. That's correct. I mean, if you talk about Marriott, Accor, Hilton, uh, Intercontinental, they're all been growing their luxury brand over the past uh, 10 years. And uh, if they didn't have one, they created one or they purchased one. <laughs> they That's acquired right. the brand. So definitely is a segment that is growing because the economy of, uh, of this segment is also growing. So meaning that there are more and more multimillionaires around the world that they need a certain type of products and service. So that's a fact. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not inventing anything here. The second, the second factor, and probably this was accelerated by the pandemic, it was not changed by the pandemic, it was just accelerated. The pandemic, mm -hmm. in fact, accelerated many trainers that they were coming. For example, introduction of technology was accelerated, you know, but it was coming. It was just a matter of uh, maybe taking a little For bit sure. more time, but it was, it was already coming, technology. The second thing is the smaller, more personalized service. And this kind of service is only possible when you have a small amount of rooms. If you have a, a, a hotel with 600 rooms, no matter how luxurious it, it is, you cannot welcome every check-in. It's of impossible. <laughs> Unless you have to have, a, you know, 20 general managers welcoming every, every arrival. But in a, in a hotel with 20, 30, 40 rooms, of course you can. I used to go even to the airport to pick up my guests. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that, was, that was unbelievable. You know, it was, and even the guests didn't believe, well, you, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know? That's funny. That's a great surprise. I mean, how would a guest feel when the general manager personally is coming to pick you up at the airport? That's already the beginning of a great holiday. You know, so 
You can only do this in small property. Definitely it's not possible to do it in larger properties. So anything above 100 rooms is just not, not the same. You can give some level of personalization, but um, it's a lot more difficult to, you know, and it's all about the rate at the end of the day. You can have uh, 300 rooms and charge $500, or you can have 100 rooms and mm -hmm. charge $1,000, or you can have 50 rooms and charge $3,000. Sure. <laughs> it's all the rate, really. So, so when you look at luxury, and like you said, it's the personalized service, um, it's it's also demands a higher guest uh, to employee ratio, you know, because you're giving that kind of level of service. How how worried are you about that kind of service being provided when staff shortages are now such a huge problem in the industry, uh, especially after the pandemic, which saw so many people leave hospitality totally? Now, we know why people left. Actually, people didn't leave. <laughs> they were let go. <laughs> you know, well, initially, cannot, for sure. I cannot be too political about this uh, because, uh, you know, people are not coming back because obviously they... They are scared of losing their job. Now, there are two things here that we need to make it clear for the team members and for the companies. For the team members or people that they are employees of, of, the, of the industry, I would say the, the following. Please do not, do not feel that uh, you know, a crisis is the end of the world. <laughs> a crisis is only a temporary situation. Make sure that you have a saving, so at least you can survive for a period of time without work. Travel will come back, no matter what. We, had, we have seen already enough, you and I, we're probably you know, in the same uh, age, age gap, age, age group. So we have seen 9-11, we have seen uh, SARS, we have seen the 2008 uh, uh, financial crisis. We, I was in India when uh, <clears throat> The Mumbai Taj Mahal was bombed. You know, I was in India. You know, and wow. and, and then and then I go, I I, I come here and I get uh, and I get this um, uh, this uh, um, pandemic. You know, but every time a business came back, so I know for a fact that business will come back. It was just a matter of. And time. we're already seeing that, right? The pent up demand has been great. Oh. Of course. So people should not throw the towel so quickly and say, you know, I will not find a job. You know, I don't know what to do. Yes, of course, you need to be able to, to support your family, your cost of living and so on and so forth. But make sure you have a saving. So at least that, that is one, uh, one part that you can survive for a period of time. The second thing I would say to the companies is that we need to change our business model. You know, we need to find ways of... Uh, Truly thinking that team members are our most important assets. Very and true. Not, <clears throat> not only the guests, you know, the guests obviously they pay for the service to be provided. But if we don't have people to provide service, then there is no point. There's no, nobody wins. Really. So I, I'm uh, I am grateful to have worked during the pandemic for three companies during this uh, past three years. I worked for three different company in Mexico. None of them let go a single team member. None of them. Yes, of course, we all had to make sacrifice during the period, particularly the first year. The second year, you know, I got my job full time and I got paid my full salary. But the first year, of course, mm -hmm. I personally, I was the first one 
to volunteer and to say, let's, let's, let's cut my salary by half immediately, starting today. I was right. the first one to volunteer. But also I, also, I also mentioned, we cannot lose a single team member because the visa will come back. We are not ready. We lose all the work that has been done for three years, four years. We're going to throw in the garbage. And the owner accepted this, uh, this challenge and, and he promised he will not have anyone leaving in. You know, we came back and business came back and everybody was happy and, and we, we, we all back to normal now. You know, Mexico is back to normal. There's nothing, no restriction, nothing. So, so these are the two things we have to, we have to, from an employee point of view, we need to make sure we have some, uh, a little bank account there that is used for, for emergency and for companies, we need to change our business model. We need to find a way on how to take care of our team members because when we need them, we need to find this talent available. So we're starting to see a little bit of that change where a lot of companies are now focusing on the employees a little bit more because of everything they've gone through in the last few years. But how do you think this situation with labor today, because it's very severe in North America, um, in Canada, US, and maybe not as much in Mexico because you, you've got such, such good numbers right now, but um, how do you think this pandemic situation with labor has been different from the other situations where you refer to in the past, whether it was SARS or recessions? It seems to be a lot more pronounced today than ever before. What makes this period different from your I think, from your I think, I think that everybody jumped the gun so quick. That was the problem, that everybody, everybody panicked from day one, you know, saying, okay, close the border. Close the airport. Don't make travel. You know, don't do anything. You know, yeah. stop living. Stop breathing. No, I mean, no, it's not possible. Even to be honest with you, the press didn't really help us. You know, the press also put additional pressure on everybody. Even me. You know, the first couple of weeks, I was kind of in panic. You know, I said, okay, how do I sustain my family? And then, and then after a while, I said, okay, wait a minute. Let's see what the rest of the world is doing. Let's hear first-hand information, not second-hand information, first-hand information. So, the, I, you know, I'm, I'm privileged because I worked in so many countries, including Asia, where the pandemic started. And I started to learn from people that they were doing things there and they worked. So I started to apply the same things here and they worked. So if you, if you take an informed decision rather than jumping the gun immediately, then you can make the correct decision. You can make the right changes. You can make uh, the movement that are needed to really get the course of the ship. You know, hospitality is a huge industry. It's a big ship to move, you know. It is. I understand that. But we jumped the gun immediately and too fast. Uh, you know, I, for example, even in Mexico, I still see people wearing masks and say, when are you going to stop wearing masks? I mean, I think I we think still have that going on here quite a bit as well. I think this is over. I mean, I can understand when you are in a closed space, but open air, you wear a mask. I mean, can you breathe really? <laughs> you know, and, but this is because it is, it's something that it was uh, printed in our brain. Now it's going to take a while to get rid of it. You should be in business for yourself, but not by yourself. With more than 25 years as a hospitality leader in Canada, one thing remains the same. Our dedicated Canadian team works closely with our franchisees to give them the personalized guidance and tools they need to succeed. Choice Hotels Canada offers a portfolio of well-segmented brands. 
Visit choicehotelsdevelopment.com to learn more. You were mentioning about the business model needing to be changed. And part of that you, you spoke about. What are some of the other areas in this business model that you think need to be changed? Apart from the labor and, uh, you know, making sure that we all appreciate employees as the number one important reason your business exists. But what are other areas that need to be changed in order to have a system that is more, well, that is stronger and that can be sustainable? Because the moment that the pandemic hit, so much came tumbling down. So how do we ensure that we make a stronger foundation for the industry so it doesn't come tumbling down? Okay, I'm, I'm going to talk about the business model that I, I, I have designed for my humble house. In this and, and I was hoping we would lead to that, obviously. So, so my humble house is based on these uh, three factors. The first one is uh, we have to pay the team members to, with a salary that will allow them to have a decent living. And not just the paycheck to paycheck. They need to be able to save from that salary. The second thing is we need to, we need to be able to share profit, profits with our team members. Because if we share profit only with shareholders, only the shareholders will be happy. Staff will say, hey, I'm doing here all the work. And okay, where is the gratitude? Okay, right. I can get the pat on the back and the certificates. But at the end of the day, people need money. Not just the shareholders, but staff need money. If I, can, if, I, if I make responsible for the profitability, the team members, the team member will work twice as hard because if they know that from each dollar they get one cent, they will make sure that one cent is saved. Otherwise, they say, well, it doesn't matter. It's not my money. So I, I still get my salary no matter what. Whether it, go, it goes north or south, I still get my salary. That's but right. if, I, if I know I'm getting paid with, uh, with a, 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 let's call it a bonus structure, but it's actually not a bonus because bonus generally given to senior, le senior, senior managers. I mean, sorry, the senior manager are the one that get paid best. <laughs> so why do, why do I need to reward twice who's actually already paid best? So my humble house is, focusing on line staff, supervisor downwards. Because I pay already well my managers so that they, they know what they're supposed to do. They know they need to take care of my business. And it's the line staff, I need to make them responsible for the business, otherwise they will not. The third thing is that 10% of the net profit, they need to go in a fund that is untouchable. Is the famous, uh, uh, um, piggy bank, <laughs> <laughs> right? you know, this pandemic and previous pandemic, no company thought, okay, let's keep the piggy bank just in case. No, no, no. Every end of the year, they share the dividend. Everybody's happy. They go for vacation, they buy an airplane, they buy a yacht, they buy a Ferrari, a new villa, vacations, and let's see what next year is going to bring. Am I correct or not? I mean, you're absolutely I, right. We're I, not I thinking need, about the future always. And the fourth, but not the last thing, we need to train our team members to become financially aware, financially knowledgeable. You know, there's no the company will teach you all the SOP, all the standard, but they don't teach you how to make money. <laughs> they don't teach you how to save money. They don't teach you how to manage your resources. They don't teach you how you can make a passive income from other sources. So 
So my humble house is, is trying to address all these things because if we don't address, this problem is gonna be endless because the population of the world is growing. The number of hotels are growing. Regardless of pandemic, we still hear every year new hotels, new I mean, all Very the big true. companies are opening three, 400 hotels a year, which means one hotel a day. Where are they going to find this stuff? You know, I, I, I studied from experience. I don't really have number, but, you know, I worked enough in this business to know that uh, I calculated conservatively about 20% of your income is going out of the window because people is stealing. I'm talking about team members. Mm-hmm. Stealing. They are stealing money, literally cash. They steal time and they steal goods. They steal things, you know, meat from the fridge, uh, 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 you know, equipment from the, from the maintenance department. They steal amenities, you name it. So conservatively, I'm saying that 20% of a company income is going right out of the window. Instead of you know having this twenty percent going out of the window, why don't we make our team member responsible and say the more profit I make, the more money you make? You know, change let's, the let's, mentality. Let's change the mentality a little bit, and and a team member will say, hey, somebody's stealing that. You know, this is my money too. <laughs> you know, so we need to change the the way we 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 do business. It's, it's, it, this is not sustainable. You know, even even country. There was an announcement a few days ago that the country, the New Zealand and two other or three other countries, they started to think that the GOP model is no longer sustainable for countries. Countries, right? So finally, <laughs> that's great news. So Rocco, when you talk about the humble house that you've created, are you putting this concept out there with all the consulting jobs that you get? So when you're dealing with um, a new client, this is what you're trying to promote to them to change their business model. Totally, totally, totally. And how is it working? How is it working? It's tough. It's definitely tough. It's definitely tough. But you see, the moment I see that, that the client is no longer interested, it's okay. I pull out. And I look for a new, for another for, for another client. There are billions of people out there. My 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 vision of uh, even when I when I'm looking for investors because now I have the business plan ready and I have land, and the only thing I need is an investor. A lot of people they say to me, "Hey, Rock, I can present you somebody, you know, the you know venture capitalist or a bank or this." But I don't want to talk about. With these people, because I know what they're gonna. Their first question is gonna be, "What is my return on the investment?" Right. And the moment I hear these words, then I'm no longer interested to talk to this person because the the tagline for my humble house is, uh, "Profit is the consequence of your purpose, not vice versa." So the moment I hear a person that has a purpose, has a vision, no matter how crazy it can be, because I know I'm crazy. I know I know my idea may not be flying, but for me, talking to you now is already a success, meaning that there is already interest. You know, on my on my LinkedIn page, the My Humble page, I have nearly two and a half thousand. I have more than two and a half thousand followers, and that is organic. I even had people asking me for work, and I have people asking me to invest with me, even if it's micro investment. You know, I said, Rocco, I have ten thousand dollars, and I want to invest this money with you. I mean, this is amazing to have people it that is amazing. 
they trust me and they know that this can work. So, you know, I'm looking for that crazy person. And the moment I look for that crazy person, I know I can make it happen because to me is no rocket science. <laughs> You're actually so, so, so <laughs> obvious that that is going to work. What I did do, I did do some bits and pieces in different companies. Yes, I did do that because I was allowed to do number one. And I had the, the freedom to, to be able to do certain things because at the end of the day, it's not my money. So I cannot really, for example, share the profit with the team member. That's not my money. But I right. have introduced all the things that made sense. And I can see the result. I can see the commitment from the team member. I can see the drive to make things work for the company. So Rocco, through through the pandemic, we've seen a lot of what, you know, the changes that we've talked about to date, but um, we've also seen a lot of changes in leadership. And I feel like leadership has come under the microscope a little bit more in the last three years. How do you feel that leadership has changed through the pandemic? And what, what more needs to be done to make leadership um, have more of an impact on all the, the employees and, and the companies. And I know one of the ways to do this is obviously through the humble house, changing the concept, but what else can be done from a leadership point of view um, to make the industry more successful? You know, Rosanna, uh, I think it was about time for this change. <laughs> it, was, it was just about time, you know, because very often what we do, we play by the book, you know, to keep ourselves safe, you know, there's a lot of fears out there of losing their job. And I get that, you know, if you have a family, you have commitment, you have a you have mm-hmm. loan to pay, you have to pay for your school, for your children and so on and so forth. You know, I worked for the past 30 years in many countries, like you mentioned, and I worked for many companies. And uh, changing companies, of course, is questioned a lot for me. You know, and it's questioned a lot in terms of loyalty to certain companies. And of course, you know, I know people that they work for the same company for 30, 40 years, and they're very happy and good for them. You know, I respect them and, you know, kudos, you know, <laughs> well done. I, I don't know if I can do that, to be, to be honest with you. But, you know, my answer to this question is, well, I can bring you 30 years of uh, 15 different companies instead of being, bringing you 30 years of one same company. Right. That's number one. Number two, my loyalty is there. I, I have, I'm loyal to the company that employs me from the day I begin to the day I finish. You know, and that's where they should be. You know? And beyond that, if you treat me well, I will be your ambassador. <laughs> now, the loyalty that I challenge on other company is my personal life. I've been married to the same wife for 27 years. That's to me is loyalty. Because I know the loyalty is not respected always from both parties. Sometime, uh, in a, a, I name again the situation that happened during different crises. The first things that is looked at is the payroll. You know, how much can we save on payroll? So as a leader, going back to your question, as a leader, we need to be more conscious. You know, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of our team members more often. We cannot just be leader from office or leader upwards. We need to lead upwards and downwards and sideways as well, you know, because we need to lead also our suppliers. We need to lead the people that they give us business. 
we need to lead our team, our our guests. They they pay for our services. For we sure. Cannot, we cannot just lead upwards, and that's what what most leaders do. They lead upwards so they feel safe. Interesting. And that's, and that's because it's the fear of losing their job. Instead, you know, the world is big. The universe is even bigger. There are plenty of opportunities out there. If we have this fear, then we will continue to lead differently and we will not fulfill the needs of the people that really make the work for us. You know, at the end of the day, when we go to a war, the battle, the battlefield is filled with warriors, not with leaders. <laughs> the leaders normally stay backwards <laughs> or they don't even go to the, to the battle. So, <laughs> The battlefield is where you have your warriors. So if you don't, you don't take care of your warriors, they will die, they will perish, or they will run, they will hide, they will not fight for you. So the, my, my experience in, in this uh, you know, 30 years, call it 30 years, the, the, the best result is when I was leading from the front and I was, and I was helping my people to grow rather than... Uh, tell them what to do. I was, I was guiding them to become a better and better and to, to detach from my leadership and become themselves leaders. That's where I get the best result and I get friendship for life. I know people that I used to work, you know, 30 years ago and we are still in touch. These are the best relationship one can, uh, can build. So Rocco, as somebody who's, who's worked all over the world, do you see a different level of service in the hospitality industry in North America compared to, you know, Asia or Europe? We always hear that, you know, in North America, the level of service maybe isn't as uh, personalized or customized as it is elsewhere. As someone who's worked in so many different places, would you agree with that? Or do you feel that the level of service has improved in recent years? And of course, it's also now impacted by fewer people working. So can we really deliver that quality of service as we used to? You know, I cannot really say much about this because I've not been consistent, consistently traveling to North America. So I cannot really, I was there prior to the pandemic expecting this lower level of service, expecting that. But to my surprise, was actually not so bad. So I can tell you about this uh, few times experience that I had when going to, to North America and in particularly United States, so I don't know about Canada. Now, if I compare this to other parts of the world, definitely for a fraction of the price, you can have a better service. This, I agree, I agree with that. I mean, Mexico, for example, is amazing. The people are so wonderful. You know, you, you want to hug everyone. <laughs> you know? They're just so nice, you know, they're naturally, love serving other people. But what it is more than anything else for me is the problem on how tips have been handled in this part of the world. Oh, interesting. Because, because in this part of the world, what do you do? You get a basic pay, which is very basic. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> a low pay because you get a lot of tips. And that's, that is, is taken, is being taken for granted because you get tips, I don't need to pay you so much money. No, sorry. You need to pay me for the job that I do, regardless of uh, the education level that I have. At the end of the day, my, the, the hospitality industry, unfortunately, has never been treated like a, an industry where you need skills. You may not need a, 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 an engineering master to be, to be a, a waiter, but you need skills. You need memory. 
you need for to, sure. you need to know how to explain how to it's taken for granted it's taken for granted no we need a lot of skills we need human skills we need service skills we need uh, uh, emotional intelligence skills a lot of engineers they don't even know what i'm talking about so we definitely need skills and these are you cannot learn them in a in a in a course at least you you are born with these are these are talent so the talent needs to be paid so if you if you get well paid the tips is a bonus. That's my my problem to deal with, and not the employer problem. Oh well, you here you're gonna get a lot of money in tips. Sorry, you know this is a decision of the guest towards my service, not towards the company, towards my personal service. So if me Rocco, I can provide a better service, I'm, you know I this is my money. <laughs> so I, I tell you I tell you one story of many many years ago. So I was working this bar in my hometown. And the owner used to used to manage the business like that. So every day he would give us the equivalent of a hundred euro, for example, hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And I had to pay each bill with this money. And at the end of the day, I had to give this hundred dollars back to him. So he would get secured the bill paid because sometimes guests would walk out without paying. Ah. And if I don't get give back the hundred dollars, I would need to pay from my pocket. But for me, it was great because every tip from the table, from each table that I served, it was my tips. I would get double money. I was so happy. <laughs> <laughs> so not only was a good, a good for him because he would never lose a single bill, but for me, it was fantastic because I would get my salary and on top of that, a second salary in tips because I was working faster so I could serve more customers. Interesting. And Very entrepreneurial. <laughs> Very entrepreneurial from both sides. So he was happy. He didn't lose a, a penny, and I was happy too because I, I made more money in tips because of my service. So, so again, it's a change in mindset is really what we're talking about. And, totally. and you're absolutely right with tipping. There's that expectation that you know service doesn't even have to be that great. People will still tip, maybe not as much, but they'll still tip. So recently, I tell you a story that is more recent. So this first story was like 40 years ago. Now, something more recent. More recent, I was in Mexico in, uh, in, uh, in, uh, in another company I was working for. So I introduced, um, let's say, compulsory tipping, a 10% added to the bill of the guest. So guess what? The people from the restaurant, they nearly assaulted me. And they said, oh, Mr. Brocco, this is not going to work. We're not going to earn money. I said to them, give me a chance. The first 15 days, you probably will not earn as much. If you take care of the service and you give a great service, you will see, you will, I promise you, you will earn more money. Well, guess what? They did earn more money because they, only, they not only got the 10%, which was on the bill, they got another 10% in cash or, 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 or added on the credit card because, of course, the service was great. So it is possible, of course. It's just the mentality of, uh, no, I pay you low so you can, you can earn your tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's part of the mindset shift that has to happen. Um, so over the last three years, we've seen obviously a big crisis for the industry, and it spurred a lot of innovation, I think, in the hotel industry and also in restaurants. Things started getting done differently because we were forced to do things differently. Um, and technology got accelerated also because of the, the pandemic. Um, how do you think the hotel industry has innovated in the past three years, to your mind? And what more can be done in terms of innovation? We've talked a little bit about the concept, 
that has to be changed through the humble house. But what else can be done to innovate the hotel industry further? Well, if you if you ask me, if you want me to be bluntly honest, I will. <laughs> Again, nothing has really changed. Or very you don't little. think anything has changed? You think it's all very surface? little? Is that what you're very, saying? Very little. If if we have changed in something, it's probably you know the uh, touchless uh, check-in and the touchless. Uh, uh, key card to get into right. the room. So using the mobile phone to get to the elevator and to get into your room. For the rest, I haven't seen really any major shift in terms of change. We, we know very well that the hospitality is very slow. It's a big monster, it's a big elephant and, and world walks very slow. So we know that it's obviously will take a, a little bit more time for this change to happen. Um, but, you know, honestly, I haven't seen much change. I mean, for example, even, even the bigger groups, you know, what they talk about now, they, they, they talk exactly what they used to talk uh, three years ago. The number of hotels they're opening, uh, uh, the profitability that they make, the ADR. I mean, sorry, wait a minute. But this was three years, three years ago story. So tell me something that you're doing now. I mean, not, not, the only thing I see now is... Uh, a little bit more celebration of the team members' achievement, uh, you know, celebration of doing more training, uh, caring more about the the the, the environment. The but protocols think, around housekeeping. You don't think the protocols around housekeeping have changed at all? In terms during of the, during the pandemic, probably yes. You know, the people they were like in this asthma suit. You know, they were like looking like astronauts. That was horrible. I mean, imagine you have to do ten rooms a day. I know. You know, in this suit, you know, how, how uncomfortable one person would be in working under this condition. I mean, I felt so sorry for the people that they have to do this kind of work, you know, the kind of, uh, you know, temp body temperature, you know, did they get the opportunity to actually refresh, rest longer? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so. Interesting. So, so let me put it this way. What would you like to see change? in the hotel industry that hasn't changed in your mind in the last three years? I know obviously technology accelerated, the mobile check-in, for example, the protocols that we talked about in housekeeping. Some restaurants changed the way they um, were serving food, you know, in private rooms. There, there were a few things like that, but what more would you like to see changed that hasn't changed yet? Well, first of all, I would like to go back to living a normal life. <laughs> Don't I we don't all? Want, I don't. I don't want to work. I don't want to be close in a room because I'm scared that the next door person may have something. We have, we have done this for like a hundred, millions of years, and now suddenly we we don't want to shake hands. I mean, come on. No, I, know. I want. I want to go back and live a normal life. I want to hug people. I want to. I don't want to work from home. I don't think that working from home is a solution, particularly in hospitality. Hospitality is a people industry. You know, how can you build a team? How can you build cohesion? How can you build the commitment to work, to help one another when one person working there in their house, the other person comes once a week and the other person doesn't come at all. I'd rather outsource the service, if it's finance or housekeeping or whatever, I'd rather outsource it and, and say, okay, these are not our team members. This is an outside, outside company. Have you seen that but work successfully? Service, so I treat them as a supplier. The, 
the what? Have, have you seen the outsourcing of housekeeping happen in, in places that you've worked at? No, Me- Mexico doesn't outsource anything, basically. Everything is done in-house. Uh, the majority, the, the 95% of work, maybe security is outsourced in some company, and that's it. You know, But everything else is managed in-house, which is wonderful. I mean, I, I saw some, uh, some outsourced services in Asia, in the Middle East, for example. Uh, in the Middle East already in the past 10 years, food and beverage as a whole is outsourced. So meaning that right. I give you the space, you manage it. <laughs> yes. you know, so, so there is an outside provider that take, take, take charge of the space and then they put an Italian restaurant, a you know, Middle Eastern restaurant or Turkish restaurant or whatever that is. Europe is more used to have outsourcing, let's say housekeeping, particularly security, even finance, for example, accounting, you know, accounting, uh, and in some cases, even recruitment, because, you know, sometimes they don't need to recruit. But how can you take care of your team members if you don't have an HR team in your hotel? I mean, I'm talking about the hospitality, at least. I don't know all the industry, maybe they don't care about people, but we are people industry. So... I don't want to have an outsourced company using uh, using the team as a payroll. You know, no. Our team is people, so we need to treat them like that. It's hard because through the pandemic, too, a lot of em- employees have also changed what they want. And some of those people do want to work at home, right? So it makes it harder to, to keep them, um, you know, enticed to stay in, in an operation. But those are parts of what's changed through this pandemic. Sure. And, and if a person wants to work from home, that's okay. I contract you as a, as a contractor. <laughs> you know, you're no, sure. longer, you're no longer part of the team. You are a contractor and I pay you when I need you. Simple. <laughs> it's as simple yes. as that. So, so even a company, as a company, I need to change my mindset and say, okay, well, I don't need to contract this person as a full-time employee. I can contract as a contractors as, a, as, a, as an external advisor or recruitment for finance or whatever, whatever that is needed. So Rocco, as, as a way to wind, uh, wind down our interview, because I know we're running out of time, um, what have been some of the key lessons that you've learned through the last three years? I think we've all walked away from the pandemic learning one or two things, personally, professionally. What have you learned through this time? I know you've really... Um, to, you know, to dove into your new business with consulting, and it sounds like you're doing wonderfully with a lot of business, but there must be a few key takeaways from the pandemic. Surely. Well, one is not to throw the, the towel, definitely. You know, the, the, the industry is so strong and the willing of travel from people is so strong that this will never cease. Ever, <laughs> even if we are forced to w- walk to travel, <laughs> we will walk. To <laughs> that's travel. right. People want to travel. <laughs> exactly. So that's that's definitely one thing that I recommend to everybody. Don't throw the towel immediately. Just calm down, settle, think about, uh, you know, listen to what's happening around you and learn so that you can make the best informed decision. The second thing that really helped me to become a better uh, hospitality uh, professional or, or, or expert is actually to even focus even more in something that you like. So if hospitality is something that you like, okay, pick the one segment that you like most or you enjoy most and specialize in this segment. So I decided, okay, 
you know, boutique hotel, you know, in, because I, the, 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 the past 10 years of my life has been working for boutique hotels uh, or company that they manage small hotels, less than 150 rooms. Mm-hmm. And I always saw this segment thriving. One, because of higher rate. Second, because you can provide a better service. Third, because you have the best ratio, guest staff ratio. You know, in a boutique hotel, you, you get easily three to four. I even had six per, per key, sorry. 60 wow. member per key. I mean, that's a dream. <laughs> Uh, and so when you have more people around you, you can do more things. I mean, even for yourself, you can learn, you can expand, you can uh, explore new things. So, so hyper-specialization, get even deeper to your area of specialization, know even more so that when there is, a, there is need for knowledge in that segment, is you. And there's no other person. You know, it's only you that people can call. And the last I would like to give is also connecting, networking. You know, I have met the most incredible people in, in the past three years because uh, I decided to invest my time in meeting nice people, in meeting people that can make a difference in my life or in the life of others, or at least I can learn from them so I can share with other people. And you will not believe it, Rosanne. I spoke hours at endless time. You know, I, I used to spend... You know, I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning to attend a webinar at four o'clock in the morning because I knew it was going to be interesting. Because sometimes the webinars that are in Singapore, in different Thailand, time, you know, for sure. So I had to make obviously sacrifices, but it was worth every second because uh, what I didn't think about that. This is great. So you learn so much from network. Then you connect with people. You send them an invitation. Sometimes even you like it, they give you a one-to-one session with certain mentors or certain, and then you can mentor back to others, you know, when you can give inspiration to other people, you know, that's the best reward. It's, I mean, that's hospitality at the end. You know, so when, when you make somebody else feeling happy, that's hospitality. The art and of hospitality, for sure. And that, that to me is priceless. You know, this is, you cannot, you cannot buy it, you cannot pay, you cannot, it's, you know, you, you have to groom it, you have to, you need to farm it, you know, yeah, it's love that you need to continuously nurture, you know, and then, and then there are so many nice people in the world, so many, it's just unbelievable, so I'm very happy of this pandemic, it really helped me, it opened, <laughs> it opened many doors for me at least, I, I got COVID, I got sick as well, but thankfully I'm wow. still alive, and, um, but, but, but yeah, for me it was a, a blessing in disguise. Well, that's amazing. And, and I've really enjoyed listening about uh, your, your experiences over the last little while this morning. Um, you've done a great job in connecting with people as you, as you focus, you know, you mentioned about connections. You've, you're so well entrenched on social media and I, I love what you're doing. And, uh, and with the, um, the humble house concept, that sounds like a wonderful idea that I hope you'll be able to spread around the world. So thank you for making time this morning to speak with me. And good luck in opening more doors. <laughs> Thank you, Rosanna. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> All right. You take care. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Checking In Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to rate and review our show. Also, make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button. For additional resources related to today's episode, please visit our website, hoteliermagazine.com. Until next time.